The NFL draft is officially one week away, and Adam and I are probably way too excited. <laughs> Welcome to the Goal Line Fade Podcast. So before the draft, um, we're, we're perfectly at that point where we have the ability to start doing some analysis as far as who we think can win the draft. And so uh, based on a bunch of different research and, and trying to understand the picks that teams have and how far they are away from, uh, you know, from a Super Bowl run or from a deep playoff run, we wanted to take a look at teams that are prepared to have the best draft possible. So whether that's they have the most amount of draft picks or whether that's they're in a perfect position in the draft. Um, because they only need a couple players to actually make them a Super Bowl type type roster. Uh, we wanted to break those down for you. So some some interesting ones, some surprises, um, some not so surprising team. And Daniel, the first two names on the list are like not too surprising of teams. Hey, yeah. Well, we're dealing with like you said. There sometimes you don't have to you know draft a, a thousand playmakers to have a good draft. Sometimes you just have to fill out the last few holes that your roster has. And with um, with the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs, that's kind of where they're at. Both of these teams are just loaded with talent. Absolutely insane. Like, um, they were the two best teams in the NFL last year through the bulk of the season. San Francisco definitely um, fought for that. And, and near the end of the season, I mean, they played in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs taking it. But, um, yeah, especially when we start with the Ravens, I really can't think of a big hole that they have anywhere on the roster. Exactly. And, and that's what stands out, right? Um, they have five picks in the first three rounds. They have a first, two seconds, and two thirds. Um, I challenge you, go look at that roster and find out where Baltimore is weak. As far as I'm concerned, um, they've gotten a lot better through free agency. Um, they went out and got that second for Hayden Hurst uh, from Atlanta, right? So they've put themselves in a good position. They've got rid of players they maybe didn't need, got good capital for them. As far as I'm concerned, they don't need to nail all of their draft picks. But if they got one or two more, um, maybe like one more weapon, and if they were to get one or two more pieces to add to their defensive line, maybe one or two more people to add to their secondary, um, I think that it would put them in very good position for uh, for a Super Bowl run and to, uh, to overthrow the Chiefs. Yeah, I think when I'm thinking about what Baltimore should maybe be targeting in, in this draft and um, with all those early picks, um, I think that they definitely could be looking at the next, uh, another Mark Ingram type running back, right? Mark Ingram's not young anymore. And even though he had a great season, I think there's definitely a need to continue to get young. Obviously not a first round pick, really not a second round pick, but if they get to the third round and there's a running back they like, um, I think that they got to go out and, and grab him a little more depth. Their depth is fine in terms of talent, but just to have a guy who, when Mark Ingram is really starting to regress over the next couple of seasons, who can step in and take that role. I also think, um, I mean, they're not really like, mm, yeah, they have, a lot of good names across their defensive line. Um, but I wonder what that production will actually look like. Obviously, like Matt Judon was really good rushing the pass there, but Calais Campbell has gotten old and he's still fine, but not great. Derek Wolf still has a pretty great been... contributor. Oh, yeah. No, and that's Campbell. the thing. It's like, yeah. they're, when you look at the names and it's like, oh, dang, like 
again, there's really no holes. Maybe linebacker would be a hole that you could potentially identify on their depth chart. But um, yeah, kind of that front seven, I think, would be another place like with those first round picks to definitely to shore up. And at that point, you have a, essentially a perfect roster. Well, not the thing, right? Like, where did they lose last year? It was when they got destroyed by Derrick Henry and the Titans running game. So um, what's interesting about that, though, is the fact that I would imagine that teams in the AFC are preparing for a team like the Chiefs. So you want to get faster on defense and aren't necessarily looking for that run stuffer. You want someone that, as a linebacker, can maybe keep up with, uh, with a running back out of the backfield or something along those lines. So it'll be interesting to see where the Ravens feel that they need to bulk up, whether it's in their, their linebacker course that they can stop a team that's run heavy, or whether they go out and get more pass rushers slash linebackers that are um, able to drift off in coverage and, and cover whether it's a tight end or whether it's a running back. So um, I think the Ravens are in a position, though, where they could take the best player on the board. And that's not a luxury a lot of other teams have. So um, if you're a Ravens fan, I think it'll be interesting to watch this draft because there's not anyone you need to go out and get, but every piece that you're adding has the potential to be the, the final piece to make a Super Bowl run. And so it's interesting talking about the Chiefs, though, in relation to that, because there's not too many places that they need to upgrade as well. Um, they haven't been too active in free agency. Um, a big move of theirs was franchise tagging Chris Jones. See, the issue is I feel that they're going to trade him. I really do. I feel like a trade is going to happen soon there, and I feel like they might use some of their picks to fill his gap, um, but I'm not quite sure. And that's that's the only gap I can see them having, is if they trade him away, that's a huge loss, and I think that they would need to shore up that defensive line. But otherwise, I, I really can't um, assess too many gaps I see them having. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like They only have five picks. So what do you think that they do? Yeah, so this is kind of the opposite situation to the Ravens in the, like, the Ravens can absolutely just afford to go best player available and just pick up as much value as they can. I do think that the Chiefs have a few more question marks. Um, I don't really think Damian Williams is a great running back. Um, so he would be one that they could definitely potentially improve on that position. Uh, their wide receiver core is obviously as stacked as as any in the league they have a lot of good contributors and a lot of speed they have one of the best tight ends in football they have an okay offensive line they definitely could shore up um some in like getting a, another inside guy potentially would be good um i mean eric fisher and mitchell schwartz are both good tackles but nothing absolutely spectacular their line is very strong especially if chris jones stays around uh, another team though with definitely some potential to, to work at linebacker um, and corner their their corners are pretty weak so that's kind of they have some more holes and a hole at corner is really bad um, so i think that uh, i mean bashad breland and that they're and Char- Traverius ward that's not a super strong freeland is anymore it's they have they have thornhill they have matthew though like i feel like they're their secondary was not a weakness of theirs last year, um, especially with the pass rush that they had. Their secondary didn't have to be, you know, completely stacked, and they were still a very effective defense. So I agree that, like, because they only have five picks, they do need to be a little bit more accurate. But I think that they do have um, a, a pretty good roster in place without, uh, like, where they don't need to have seven or eight picks in order to make another Super Bowl run. 
I think with oh, where no, they like, are, they, they're they already primed for a Super right? Bowl run. Exactly. And that's what I think is so key about them is, again, they're, they're one of those teams that if they go out and add a couple depth pieces and a couple, you know, improve in a couple areas on their defense, um, I completely agree that they can be back in that Super Bowl run. So I think I think that's where why they're primed to have a good draft is because, again, I don't think they really have that much pressure on their plate to replace um, any super key contributors unless they trade away Chris Jones, which I just have a feeling is going to happen. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense with this team. They are just, they're, they're zero pieces away from a Super Bowl. That's just kind of the truth. Um, and even without a lot of picks, yeah, yeah like you said, just to, to continue to shore up depth, to maybe do some work to, to start trying to future-proof this roster a little bit. But um, yeah, they, and they've also had a potential or uh, a tendency to draft pretty well over the last few years, picking up like good, I mean, guys like Meikle Hardman, uh, Tyreek Hill, um, obviously Patrick Mahomes, like they've, they've done a good job of drafting lately. And so that's been a, a consistent yeah. theme with them. So. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing, both them and the Ravens have had a, a pretty good history as far as drafting good players and finding really good value in the draft. So um, I think for that reason, those two teams, especially, they don't need to have, you know, seven, eight, nine picks in order to, to really hit a home run on the, the players they do draft. Because typically they'll they'll nail at least two to three of their picks every year. So those two teams look really primed to have a great draft. Um, a team like the Dolphins, on the other hand, or another team that really stands out as a, a team that I think could have a really great draft. Um, <laughs> different story for the, for the Dolphins in comparison to the Ravens and the Chiefs, though. The Dolphins have 14 picks. Um, comprehending that is crazy. Every team gets seven and the Dolphins have 14 um, six of them being in the first three rounds. Uh, like you have to just throw them on this list as teams that are, are going to have an amazing draft just because of the volume they have. Yeah, if they somehow don't happen to have an amazing draft, everybody needs to get fired. I feel like that's the answer at that point. <laughs> they, um, yeah, like you said, they're, they are a different situation. They have a lot of holes, whereas these other teams had pretty much next to none. They need to draft well. It's not an option for them. If they want to be a remotely competitive football team, they, they need to go pick up stars. They, they need to find guys, especially with those three first-round picks, who are going to come and start from day one and contribute and contribute well. Um, yeah, I think for them, this is going to be essentially the big question of, um, yeah, are you going to hit on your picks? And how many, right? No one's going to hit on three first-round picks in one year. Unless, of course, they end up maybe trading down to pile even more, which would be insane, or even trying to maybe turn those two firsts into another high pick so that they not only have number five, but have number five, number four, number five, number five, but have the opportunity to maybe pick up another one. Like, can you imagine if they walked out of this draft with whoever the quarterback they like is, but also like Isaiah Simmons or something crazy? Uh, I don't know if there's a way that they would get both, but it's an interesting thing, right? Like they're at five, they're at 18 and they're at 26. So you think about that, the amount of capital that they could get for the fifth overall pick. Um, if they're confident, like maybe Jordan Love is the guy. I've heard that Jordan Love is being rated between the, the fifth overall pick and the 25th overall pick by a variety of teams. I can't remember if it was Ian Rappaport or uh, Daniel Jeremiah that reported that the other day, but it's interesting. So if the Dolphins are one of those teams where they feel that they could get Jordan Love at 18, or at 26, I'm really curious to see um, 
if the Dolphins can stockpile first round picks and uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like they have the ability to do that. Um, if they want to, I think they could even get a really good player with one of those first round picks. Could you imagine again, if, if a player like Chris Jones is on the trade block, could you imagine them giving up, you know, uh, the 18th overall pick in the draft for a player like Chris Jones, that's not unprecedented with DeFore, DeForest Buckner going for the 13th overall pick. So I think the Dolphins Chris have Jones the ability a better player than they wanted to, uh, oh, a hundred percent. So I, I don't think you'd go for five, but maybe there would be some sort of work between 18, 26 for Chris Jones and the Chiefs first round pick or something along those lines. That's uh, I don't know how stupid that sounds. <laughs> Just threw that out now. But um, anyways, I think that because they have 14 picks, because they have th- three first round picks, um, I really do think that the Dolphins are primed to have a great draft just because of the flexibility that they have available to them. Um, look at the players that they've, uh, you know, they've went out and got recently, um, like in free agency. I think that this team is a team that's looking to win within the next one to two years. So it would not surprise me if they, uh, like, I think they go quarterback in the first round for sure, but the Dolphins well, I, three first round picks could just mess with this entire draft. Like they, they essentially own the draft right now. There are lots of teams of two picks, but where they are just insane. Yeah. And they like, let's be honest right now are in a division with a potentially gimped Patriots team. So for the first time in 20 years, they not right now because Buffalo is a significantly better squad than them, but um, this yeah. is the time if they need like, if they can hit on these picks and hit in free agency next year, all of a sudden this team is a division challenger. And that's absolutely mind blowing considering how terrible they were last season. Well, exactly. And you think about it, um, you know, people were kind of surprised with everything they'd done, uh, trading away Laramie Tunsil, trading away Minka Fitzpatrick, trading away. Uh, I think it was Kenny Stills that went in the Laramie Tunsil deal as well. And uh, Kenyon Drake as well. Right. Like everything that they did, it looked like they were tanking. And now you're looking at the, just how many picks they have and the uh, the weapons they have to go out and do what they want in this draft and can't blame them whatsoever. Um, we've talked about how good Brian Flores is there and, and how good that team is going to be in a couple of years. And I think we're going to see in this draft what that future looks like for them. Um, if they can draft well in their offensive line, defensive line, and in their linebacker groups, I, I think that this um, – they could move themselves into the second place in that division or um, even be fighting with the Bills for first place. They they really do have the ability to become like worst to first type in that AFC division just because of, to your point, right? Like the Patriots may not be that dominant power anymore. So uh, by no means a Dolphins fan, but I think if you are a Dolphins fan, kudos to, to your organization because, I mean, they're going to do a lot of good things in this draft for sure. I know the Broncos are another team that's um, kind of not to the same extent as the Dolphins, but definitely were a team that um, were underwhelming last year. They went into the season. I think people thought they might actually have a shot at being relevant. And just quite frankly, they were not. Um, But all of a sudden they're coming into this draft with five picks in the first three rounds. Um, And after free agency, a roster that actually looks kind of competitive, um, they obviously have some work to do. They have kind of like the dolphins. They have a lot more holes than say the chiefs or the Ravens would have, um, but they have the makings of uh, a, a really solid offense. If drew Locke is for real and some really, really, really good pieces on the defense, 
But what are some of the the spots you're seeing that they might need to improve if we're going to say that they have a really good draft this year? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm thinking that they go after a couple more weapons. Um, they got Melvin Gordon. Yes, that's great. Him and Philip Lindsay are going to be a really fun backfield to watch, I think. And if the, the Broncos are able to capture both their skill sets, that'll be really fun to watch. But um, I think next to Cortland Sutton, they need to go out and get themselves a weapon. So it made a lot of sense trading away Emmanuel Sanders and um, getting something for him before he left in free agency or eventually would have left in free agency, I'm sure. So I think that they go out and they get themselves maybe one or two more weapons. I was expecting them to do that in free agency and they they didn't. So I could see them, especially with the amount of talent that there is in the first round, um, potentially guys slipping into the second round, would not be surprised for them to go after, uh, I don't know, maybe not one of the top three names, but like a, a Jefferson from LSU or um, I want to say Rieger, the guy from TCU. So oh, yeah. it would not surprise me for them to go, go out and get a weapon in the first round um, or other, like a little bit later in the draft too. I think if they, they go out and they get some weapons um, for Drew Locke to take some of the pressure off Cortland Sutton, if they go out and improve the back half of their defense, I think that's another area where they, they did lose Chris Harris Jr., who's an outstanding player. So I think if they can get younger there and really improve the back half of their defense, like this is a scary roster. They're going to have Bradley Chubb back, going to have Von Miller. Um, their defense is always pretty good, and having a defensive-minded head coach there, um, I, it sounds dumb, but like with the amount of picks that they have, like it doesn't seem like they're that far away from being a contender in the AFC. Yeah, and I think, I mean, yeah, you mentioned how you were surprised that they didn't pick up more weapons in free agency, but to me it made so much sense that they didn't because of the depth of this, rat, this draft. I would be well, That's a good point, too, yeah. Lord. Yeah, I'd be absolutely floored if the Broncos did not grab a wide receiver at 15. The only situation which I could see them not is if the big three are off the board by then. But honestly, still at that 15th pick, Denzel Mims, we're feeling his stock kind of slowly rise here. Um, He's not going to be before Justin Jefferson, though. There's no way. That's true. And, and that one well, is Justin Jefferson. Like, he'd be a great compliment to Cortland Sutton, those two play styles. Um, so I think... Yeah. I'd be, I would be willing to bet a little bit on the fact that the Broncos are going to grab a wide receiver with the 15th pick there. Um, and so that will, that'll yeah. right away put a good player opposite Cortland Sutton and will put a lot more stress on defenses. They obviously drafted Noah Fant last year to be a, a good athletic tight end. Um, besides that, they definitely could use an upgrade at, at right tackle. Juwan James is not exceptional. Um, and I mean, we've said this about other teams, but a good second corner behind EJ Boye would not be a bad thing for them either. But with the picks that they have, yeah, they very well could shore up the spots that they need to. And the Broncos could surprise some people this year. Yeah, exactly. And at this point in time, I wouldn't be confident. Like, I, I would not make the statement that they could beat the Chiefs in that division. Um, so by no means do I want to come across with my next statement as though that's what I'm trying to say. But I think that they have the ability in this draft to, like, I think overall their roster improved through free agency. And that's great. But I think in the draft, now they can pinpoint players um, in the secondary, maybe in the linebacker core, as well as weapons on offense that can directly attack the Chiefs. I think they have that ability to go out and, and find ways through the draft that they can add players to their roster that are going to help them defeat a team like the Chiefs when they play them two times um, over the course of the year. So I guess I'm interested to see, again, like I mentioned it when we were talking about the Ravens, but how do teams adjust 
to beat an offense like the the Chiefs and account for a defense like the Chiefs have as well. Um, can't uh, can't forget how good that Chiefs defense was down the stretch. So um, yeah, it's interesting to see the position of the Broncos in and the way that they go in this draft because they do have a lot of flexibility to go out and make some pretty good picks and uh, take away some of the strengths that the Chiefs had previously as competitive advantages. Feel so businessy using the word competitive advantages in that way. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty fitting in that sentence. How can you tell I've got a degree in business? That's funny. So then we also have the Cowboys as a team that, um, yeah, I mean, kind of a a bit of a similar story to the Broncos, though, um, in in a different way. I think both teams came in with high expectations. And the Cowboys down the stretch, it didn't make any sense as to why things weren't working out, whereas the Broncos, it became quite obvious where their struggles were. The Cowboys have a really, really strong roster already. They, um, I mean, obviously have been throwing around money like it's going out of style. Um, they <laughs> went out and, and locked up Ezekiel Elliott. They locked up Amari Cooper. They franchise tagged um, Zach Prescott. And really, they lost Byron Jones. But he's the biggest name that I can think of that they lost. And so they're a team uh, that... Malik Collins, Robert Quinn. Oh, yeah. There's Robert a couple Quinn additional names on that. Point, but, they, uh, but they right, they have really good pieces in place. Like Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup uh, in a draft loaded with receivers. They sure as heck don't need one. They could use a tight end. Uh, their offensive line, obviously having um, Travis Frederick retire was not ideal for them but their offensive line is still very very good Uh, their defensive line is honestly exceptional when you read the names Demarcus Lawrence Gerald McCoy Don Terry Poe and Tyron Crawford that is strong Uh, linebacker maybe one more more player on the edge though I can see them going out and getting a strong defensive lineman to match with who's that sorry Alden Smith is there now so oh, who knows? forgot about that. If Alden Smith yeah. has anything left in him, that line all of a sudden is actually, like Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith opposite each other, dang. Um, linebacking core is yeah. strong, so Sean Lee is not great. And once again, a team that could yeah. definitely use another corner, but really who couldn't in the NFL right now? Well, yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's an interesting time for the Cowboys, really. Like, Last year was a frustrating year for, for Cowboys fans. And again, I'm not a Cowboy fan, but um, with the amount of talent that they had in that locker room to not go out and win the division down the stretch when they really needed to was obviously a huge disappointment. Um, obviously, Jason Garrett isn't there anymore. And Mike McCarthy's show from now on. Um, so I'm expecting some changes to happen on that offense. And I think that offense will be more efficient. But to your point, they don't really need a lot on offense. Um, if As long as they get uh, their next center to play to the level that Travis Frederick did, and um, which is obviously filling big shoes. But that offensive line has always been the strength of that unit. Um, so if if they can continue to allow Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard to run the ball effectively, um, I think that offense will be quite good. But to your point, exactly. Like I think that they do need to maybe a couple more pieces on their defensive line, just in the a case that Alden Smith doesn't return to his um, his former form if which he likely <laughs> you want to say won't. It that way but that's, that's realistic well because it's been multiple years that he's been out of the game and sort of dealing with some personal stuff so um if you're the cowboys i think that you have to draft defensive line in the first round i think you go for a young linebacker to to play a similar role to sean lee just faster and stronger there um but really 
the Cowboys are primed to win that division. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles did get better. Uh, so they're obviously going to be the front runner for the division right now. But I think the Cowboys do have the ability with their seven picks to go out and get replacements for some of the players that departed them this, this offseason. Byron Jones was a big loss. So if they can go out and get another corner that can uh, fight with receivers and, yeah, um, cause a rough day for receivers like he did, um, I see them in position to win this division based on uh, nailing two to three of their seven picks. It's a good time to be a Cowboy fan, contrary to what many people believe, but I'm going to be controversial and make that statement. Is it is it a good time to be a Patriots fan, Daniel? Like, obviously, a lot of big names leaving, including the face of their franchise for the last 20 years. But there's some optimism as a Patriots fan going into this draft. I mean, I would say it is a good time to be a Patriots fan because hopefully within the next couple of years, as things kind of move on and, and everyone, hopefully the Patriots hate starts to chill out a bit, but all the bandwagon fans will be gone and I'll be able to be a Patriots fan without everyone <laughs> assuming that I'm a horrible, evil bandwagon fan. So I'm kind of excited on yeah. that measure. But um, honestly, <laughs> I think you and I see this draft very differently because um, I, I think this, A, needs to be a good draft. Um, I don't think that they have any other options or they're going to be a very bad football team. But they don't have a lot of good picks to do it with. They have a lot of picks. Um, but that is one first round pick, which as you noted here, they have a tendency to trade out of. And if they do, I will lose my mind if they do not make a first round pick this year. Uh, and then three thirds and then a whole lot of garbage after that. So they're going to need to do a lot of good scouting and they're going to need to hit on those thirds for this draft to be considered a success for them. Well, and so the reason that I think the Patriots are a captivating team to watch in this year's draft um, to your point, they do have the 23rd pick. The next time they pick is in the third round. They don't have a second round pick because they traded it away from Mohamed Sanu. So yeah. the reason that I think the Patriots are a captivating team to watch is because of the fact that I think, again, just like the Dolphins, they have a great capability to be flexible in this draft. Um, the Patriots also have a tendency to hit on fourth, fifth round guys. And that's what I think is a, a strength of where they pick right now. Um, I think that they'll use either one of their thirds or their first round pick to move into the second round, um, potentially get a couple picks in the second round. And I, I think the Patriots go out and get some depth guys. I don't necessarily know if they get any superstars, but I could see at least one to three of their six to seventh round picks being guys that actually go and make the roster. So that's why I think the Patriots are a really interesting team to watch because I think, quite frankly, their strengths are not to pick in the first and the second round. Um, and Chicks had a couple bad years of drafts recently, but I, I personally believe that the Patriots 100% strength is in the, the third to fifth rounds, maybe slipping into the sixth. So what I playing to the strengths of where the Patriots pick best, I think that this draft and where their picks are, are actually very, very good for the Patriots. And that is that like, truth is the Patriots haven't drafted a pro bowler since I think 2015, which is uh, really, really ugly. Um, and also does have a tendency to do with just the way they use their players and how pro bowl voting works. They've drafted some actually pretty yeah. solid players in that time, but they, yeah, like they, they have struggled. That's honestly the truth of it. Um, I 
would not take another GM over Bill Belichick because I trust his ability to shape the roster. But yeah, the truth is that uh, his first and second rounds of drafting generally not super great. And you are right. Usually those later round picks are where he finds diamonds in the rough who aren't necessarily going to be all-stars, but they're going to be good role players and really good value based on where he grabs them. So that is what I'm really focusing on this year. Yeah, to be fair, just one poke at that comment, right? The Patriots, like, they don't draft a player that's going to spin out and be a an absolute stud right away. Like, there are some exceptions, of course. Chandler I think back to Jones. Hightower. <laughs> Chandler Jones was in that area. Dante Hightower's in that area. If you go back even further, McCourty, I would argue, was sort of in that area, at least for Rob his Gronkowski. first season. So, oh, yeah, Gronkowski, Hernandez, too. So they do have some players that are sort of in those earlier rounds that really stand out as absolute studs. But Jarrett Stidham, a guy who was on the bench last year. Damian Harris was on the bench last year. Um, A couple of their offensive linemen they got last year, they're thinking could be role players potentially this year or could be um, in the conversation to, you know, to fight for jobs there as well. So I I think that's the good thing about the Patriots is no, they're not going to hit a ton of home runs. But when they go out and find players, it's typically players that are going to contribute. Right. You look at a guy like Trey Flowers. I think we, the Patriots got him in like the fourth round or something along those lines. Um, I might be completely mistaken there. Jamie Collins, they got in the second round. Right. I think yeah. they, they do a really good job of finding value. And so um, that's why it just it feels like they're picking where their strengths are. And if, even if they don't go out and get a second round pick, if they stay in the first, make their pick, wait till the third to make their next pick. I think that they are um, drafting where they're they're strong at assessing players. So um, they're a team with 12 picks that I think is really interesting, but the Vikings are another team with 12 picks that seem to me like they, they could be primed to to have a great draft as well and to be deemed winners. Um, the Patriots and Vikings composition of draft picks is very different, despite the fact that they have the same amount of picks overall um, with the Vikings having new first round picks. So at 22 and 25, which nice and close together, the last time they had, I was looking at uh, previous drafts and they had Sharif Floyd, Xavier Rhodes, and oh, I want to say it was Cordero Patterson, maybe all in one draft. And it, seeing them have multiple first round picks reminded me of that draft, which was kind of funny. But again, they're one of these teams that have five picks in the first three rounds. Daniel, do the Vikings seem like another team that you could see maybe being a few pieces away um, and having that, you know, draft picks align with where they really do pick best and where they could get a lot of those playmakers that make them an instant uh, contender. Yeah, I think the Vikings are less than a few pieces away. I think that they, um, I mean, I'm a huge believer in the Vikings as a whole, and I understand that they um, traded away Stephon Diggs, but I do think this is a team that is very close to, to pressing for a championship, especially if these rumors that are popping up about Odell Beckham being traded to them are true. Um, they might all of a sudden be back to having have you not heard this yet? No. Rumors are flying that um, as of tomorrow night, or no, as of, they haven't given a timeline on it, but apparently there's a potential trade in the works. Uh, Odell Beckham to the Vikes for, I think, a second and a fourth, something like that. No way. Yeah, and that's from, like, I forget who it was, but, like, a actual reliable source who was saying that that has some potential to happen. So, that's so this team, the this Brown- team has a shot. The Browns showed off their new uniforms today, and Odell Beckham's name was on one of them. Like they're advertising it as if like he's part of that. 
Anyways, I don't, I don't think their right DM cares sure. much about their marketing. Hey, I do. <laughs> Not that I'm yeah, a Brown no, fan, but if for all those Brown fans out there that are going to buy his jersey if he gets traded tomorrow night, that sucks. Anyways, I don't want to take away from the Vikings. Yeah, this team, uh, strong offensive line, <laughs> absolutely a strong offensive line. One of the best running backs in football, Kirk Cousins, who's a solid QB, Adam Thielen, and... Wow, another team that could use a wide receiver in a super deep wide receiver draft. Um, obviously, they have Danielle <laughs> Hunter, who is exceptional. Michael Pierce, who's a very good defensive tackle. Uh, could use some depth on the, on the defensive line. Could probably use a bit of help at linebacker. And uh, corner is, again, could use some work. But they have the best safety duo maybe in NFL history, let's be honest. So, Yeah, it's definitely an interesting team. Um, this team ha- just has a, like, not even with this coaching staff, but even before this coaching staff, they just have an ability to find amazing defensive line talent. I think Brian Roberson, um, Jared Allen, obviously Jared Allen was a great defensive lineman before he actually got to the Vikings, but, um, Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, right? Like they just, they churn out strong defensive linemen. That's just what the Vikings do. So that being an area of need for them in the draft is quite interesting because they have so much talent in crafting strong, strong players there. If they bring, bring back Griffin and, and have a depth piece that they get in the draft, um, huge win for the Vikings. Um, need to help with that defensive back group with Xavier Rhodes being cut and moving on to, uh, I believe, the Colts, right? It's completely aligned with what you're saying, right? Like if they, if they can fix some of those pieces on defense and if Mike Zimmer can, uh, can build himself another strong defense, like, yeah, those, those safeties in the back half of the defense are just ridiculous to your point. And I've heard rumors of them trading Anthony Harris, though. I've heard like rumblings about that. So I'm not sure if their long-term plan is to keep him. But again, two first round picks. That's, that's super attractive to me. If I'm a Vikings fan, I, I care a lot about the fact that they have two first round picks. And uh, I think that they'll be in a good enough position that they can make a couple of players that are going to contribute soon. And um, to your point, turn them into a, a Super Bowl contender if they're not already. Um, what was I going to say? Like having 12 picks always just makes you a, a sexy team in the draft, right? Like that. The truth of the matter is that um, the majority of the teams that are deemed to be winners ahead of time that and that are on our list. Are, are teams that have a decent amount of picks, but um, the 49ers are sort of the exception to that. A bit of an interesting story, um, but they're one of those teams that, that do have the, the the pieces in play already. They didn't lose too many players. Um, them trading away Buckner, them losing Sanders in free agency. Um, yes, those are losses, but they have the 13th overall pick, the 31st overall pick, and then don't pick till I believe the fifth round. Um, I could see them trading away that 31st pick. And again, I, I, I think, how many picks do they have overall? Uh, Got to look up the notes here. Yeah, so they have seven picks overall. Or sorry, two picks in the, two first round picks. And those are their only picks in the first four rounds. So, Daniel, the 49ers feel to me like a team that can be super um, creative in the way that they handle the first round of this draft. And... If they take a, a receiver at 13th overall and then trade out with 31st, uh, I'm curious to see if they get a second or something like that that allows them to go out and get another piece. Like, I don't know. They can just be so flexible. That's what attracts me to them right now. Yeah, they're um, a team that is definitely 
interesting because they could have a strong desire to build up a bigger, uh, bigger group of picks to be making, or in a draft that has some very, very tempting players uh, to just go all in with those two firsts and just grab two guys who they think could be stars. Um, they don't really need any help on offense. And quite frankly, they don't really need any help on defense. And so for them, it is very much a best player available situation. I think this is um, still maybe the most talented squad in football. They, they could definitely replace um, Eric Armstead if they can, or not Eric Armstead. Um, oh my God. DeForest Buckner. DeForest Buckner. Thank you. If they could find a, a good replacement for him, sure. Uh, but he's not a player who's easily replaced. And yeah, a wide receiver. Like that's come up a lot. It'd yeah. be another thing, but still they like, they're not weak there. Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis, Travis Benjamin, Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor. They're not inc- Richie James Jr. They're not incredible, um, but they're serviceable. And that's more than some teams can say about their wide receiver depth. So yeah. if I'm them, uh, I'm probably trading down. And I'm trying to stockpile as many mid-round picks as I can and just try to shore up depth. But who knows? Maybe they'll just fall in love with a player and shock everyone and, and make a move to go and get, like, who knows who. But I'd love to see them make a, a pick for whoever the top receiver is at 13 or whoever they deem to be the top receiver at that point, um, whether it's the number one on their list or however they rank it. I think that they do need a guy to stretch the field. So um, not necessarily sure which receiver best fits their offense. If they go out and get a, a guy like Judy, though, we talked about him last week. He stretches the field and I think could really make that offense even more explosive than it already is and take a little bit of the load off the running game. So, but, but you bring up a really good point. Maybe it, it feels weird them tra- trading DeForest Buckner for the 13th overall pick and then trading down from the 13th overall pick. But maybe there's a team that really wants one of those receivers and they're willing to give up a lot to move up to take them. Maybe there's a team that's wanting to take Jordan Love. Uh, right there are certain players that might be dropping just with like I I imagine Detroit's going to trade out of the third spot maybe the Giants out of the fourth so really curious to see how the one to five play out and how that affects the 49ers pick at 13 they might be able to get a a handsome reward by trading out of the 13th overall pick so you bring up a really good point they do have that flexibility to trade down and um, just accrue a bunch of depth players because they really don't need that many um, you know, don't need to fill too many gaps, to be quite honest. Yeah, exactly. They are um, right away a Super Bowl contender going into next season. I don't think that's really in doubt. So, um, yeah, they can kind of afford to do whatever the heck they want as long as it just shores up some of the small depth areas or, again, like defensive tackle, wide receiver, and that's kind of it. Yeah, exactly. And so... There's some other teams to call out as well that could potentially be winners. Not going to go in depth with them, but the Raiders have two first round picks, makes them interesting. The Jaguars also have two first round picks, makes them interesting. Um, yeah, the, the only loss I see in this draft is uh, there are certain teams that don't have first round picks, and it's really hard waiting into the second round, right? Like, I mean, okay, maybe you just don't assess players in the first round as seriously. Maybe you start off your scouting with the player you're going to take in the second. But um, a team that's sort of at risk in my mind is a team like the Texans who don't have a first-round pick. Like, I, I I worry about some teams that don't have first-round picks and potentially want to try and trade up into the first 
Um, I think a lot of those teams like the 49ers that might try to trade out of the first round or trade down. Um, I'm really curious to see uh, who we're going to call the losers of this draft. Not calling that out now, but like I'm really curious to see which teams will be overly aggressive to get into the first round and and make a mistake. So um, that'll be a post-draft thing, but it'll be really interesting to watch if the folks that we've called out as winners actually are going to be winners for sure. So, of course, beyond all of the draft news, these have been um, some exciting weeks for the good old NFL jersey nerds, which I think Adam and I would probably count ourselves among. And so um, three teams have unveiled new jerseys, and there are a few more coming still. Uh, the Colts are one, the Patriots are one, the Chargers are one. I think that's it, um, as far as I can remember. So, Adam, let's just give our quick thoughts on these new jerseys. The Browns <laughs> one was just revealed today, but let's start with the Falcons. They were revealed the longest to go and are probably the most controversial. So let's hear your thoughts. I don't like the gradient. All the, the other jerseys are super nice. Um, quite frankly, I love the, I pictured the, like the beginning of the Michael Vick days. I think they had those, um, like the black standard jerseys. Really like that. I think back to Dion as well with the black standard jerseys and the white pants. Really love that design. Um, black jerseys, black pants looks really cool too. The white jerseys, white pants, also a big fan of those, um, look really sleek, but the gradient just didn't fit in whatsoever. So I'm going to say that uh, for the most part, I think that their jerseys are, are pretty nice looking, but uh, the gradient one really threw me off, to be honest. One of these things is not like the other. What about you, though? Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. I love uh, black as a primary jersey color. I think the shadows on their numbers are kind of weird looking. I don't love that, um, but overall, it's a nice leak like that's gonna look so good on the field um when you have a full team wearing yeah. those things like oh my gosh and their aways look like surprisingly good the, i kind of like them more the more i look at them but yeah the gradient it looks like a soccer jersey or like a jersey that you accidentally stained while trying to wash it just was not a, like i i understand the attempt but who actually ended up okaying that after the first concept design like man that was that was not a good choice well, a big thing in marketing too and, and brand is like consistency, right? Like keeping similar themes. And the fact that they had three jerseys that were relatively standard and straightforward and then one where they introduced the new concept of a gradient is just, it's uh, it's a bit interesting. And it's something that some of the other teams with new jerseys didn't do, which is why it was even more of an interesting attempt at yeah, creating this new concept. Yeah, and that's like, yeah, that's a very valid way to look at that um and who knows like maybe that'll end up catching on in the nfl but especially with these other two teams going back to a more classic look it felt like atlanta kind of tried to push the future like cleveland and tampa had done and these two have now given up on it um and so with the bucks then they ended up revealing i think last week and i think they pretty much got universal praise and I, as far as i can remember adam you were kind of on that same bandwagon right Absolutely. Um, again, I'm a big fan of that, like that consistent color. And um, they sort of returned to the the 2000 bucks and the late 90s bucks from that John Gruden era, Derek Brooks era, Warren Sapp era. So their red, red standard jersey with the gray pants, really, really good, really fresh and, and sort of remind me of that time when they were a contender and had strong teams. Um, their white standard jersey also looks really good. I like that clean look. Their gray standard jersey, surprisingly, is growing on me. Um, at first, it was a bit of a weird look, 
but I actually really like that in the end. And uh, it'll be interesting to see them wear that gray jersey. I'm interested to see what it looks like when a whole team is wearing it because I'm not 100% sold yet, but like their jerseys far more than I like the Falcons overall. That's actually so funny to me because when they first revealed these, I think I remember saying to you that I loved the gray. Um, but as I look at it now, I'm starting to like it a little bit less. I think the color, it's kind of an awkward, like off gray and with the red. I don't know. It, <laughs> such a weird comparison, but like feels like an elementary school boys drawing to look cool, like the gray and the red. And like, I don't know. I don't love the colors, but the others, yeah, huge fan of the classic look. The pirate ship on his shoulder or on the sleeve, I, I just should have done their primary logo. But um, yeah, nice, simple look. Nothing too fancy, no crazy stripes anywhere, just red with a number and white with a number, and, and I'm on board with that. Yeah, for sure. But the Browns one was a little bit weird as well, right? Like it was less of a modification, right? True, yeah, yeah. So talking about that new Browns jersey, I, I really don't know what I think about it because it was revealed today, right? So still pretty fresh, but... Um, it sort of feels like their 2010 to 2015 era until they, their recent change of their jerseys. I don't know. It doesn't feel too too different to me. Like just looking at it now, it looks like they removed some stripes in places. But otherwise, it's it's pretty standard, I think. Not too shocking, but it does just clean things up a little bit. Yeah, and it was a needed change. Those, and it's, I loved the, the new Browns, the old new Browns jerseys when they first revealed them. Um, they had a very college feel to me. Uh, but I understand and like yeah the, the complaints that people had over time I definitely get like the the very big Cleveland right across the chest and the Browns down the pants and I don't like admittedly I don't think it was a terrible look but this just feels right going into 2020 for the Browns to just go back to classic Browns look um, and let, let's be real it's a money thing they want to sell more jerseys that's ultimately what these changes tend to be about but um, I will miss the I think that the old Browns always looked so good. The old new ones, even though the shadow on the number again, is kind of weird, but like the stripe on it, the Cleveland across the chest, the, Oh, it like, it was a good look with the orange pants. And then the, the just like straight orange helmet. Like I was a big fan. So I'm going to miss that. This is the one where it's, I do like this new look still, but I, I am going to miss what they were trying to do with, with their last set. Yeah, for sure. There's always going to be a little bit that you miss. Like, there is a part of me that really likes the the Falcons red standard jerseys. And, like, the, I, I will always associate that with the Matt Ryan era. But, again, like, it's it's that what do those jerseys remind you of? And, like, I look at these new Cleveland Browns jerseys, and I'm reminded instantly of Josh Gordon and his era with them. And that, that brings back positive memories for me with the Browns. Um with the again with the Falcons, I think back to Deion Sanders, and with the Bucks, I think back to Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp. So, um, not sure if that's intentionally what these teams are trying to do, but they really do remind me of better times for these franchises. Yeah, and I guess that's what you want to go back to, right? As you enter into a new decade, is let's look back on when we had success and hope that this is the decade where we can get back to it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, they're going to sell more jerseys. People are going to buy their jerseys. Um, so it'll just be a matter of seeing what they look like on game day. And hopefully that game day looks like, uh, the normal schedule and we start in September and there's not a shortened season like they're talking about doing, depending on how long this, uh, COVID situation goes. But 
I'm hoping and praying for a 17-game season where we get to see those guys rocking those jerseys uh, for 17-plus weeks. So, for real, looking yeah. forward to those happier days. Yeah, the jerseys aren't too big of a concern right now, but in reality, it's it's fun to geek over them on this podcast. Oh, I really do love the the jersey nerding thing. I like it's just a weird thing for me, like. You know, football's this like oh big man sport. Like we don't care about clothes. I I care about jerseys so much. Like I'm so excited for the Patriots new look. Um, and even though they're saying it's going to be a subtle change, I'm just like man, like it'll be an excuse to buy a new jersey. Like it's so exciting. So we'll have to see as these next few jerseys get unveiled, kind of what the new face or the new look of the NFL will be heading into 2020. Um, again, like Adam said, hoping for uh, a full season to to kick off the decade, but. The world is a crazy place. I am thankful the draft is coming up in a week. That sounds like it's going to go a little bit differently for sure, but we actually are going to get some live sports something, and that's exciting. And especially now with the XFL going bankrupt this week, my heart is broken, and I just want some kind of football back so that I can uh, just stuff that XFL-sized hole full of something, which will have to be the NFL draft. But, of course, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be back next week. Um, one day before the draft, kind of unfortunate with our recording schedule, but we'll be ready to prime up for what is going to be a really fun weekend. Uh, we're going to see the next generation of NFL talent. But until then, we'll see you all 